It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder answer another test. And Isaiah Joe continues to stay hot from the three-point line. Kenny Hustle playing the best basketball of his career. Josh Giddy plays excellent. SGA was a star in the Thunder. Avoid what was a conventional trap game for OKC. How will they handle this next test? Find out on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor in chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles, follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder pod, email the show, LO Thunder pod at gmail.com on today's show. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma city thunder beating down the Indiana Pacers as Kenneth Williams collects a double, double Lou Dort continues his hot streak in the thunder have the answers to yet another test. The thunder still playing without a traditional center, Chet Holmgren out for the year. Jeremiah Robinson rolls still week to week. Poku is on crutches. Usman Jang is out. Like they they don't have their core guys. That's a, that's two lottery picks. That's a that's two key rotational pieces right there. Four in total. Lou, uh, Lindy Waters and Eugene Marie were both out with a G League club, so they did not play. Uh, and of course, the Thunder managing their their G League days as well and NBA days as well uh, with their two way contracts. The Pacers did not have Therese Halliburton, and also. Had Jalen Smith as a DNPCD. Uh, that was interesting to me. And OKC starts out with SGA, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, J Dub, and Kenny Hustle. And that was a really good lineup for them in this game. But the Thunder answered another question. And to me, that's one of the biggest takeaways of tonight's game. Well, there were some standout and incredible performances, and like half the roster played really, really well. Half the roster played incredible. One of the biggest things for me was we keep putting in front of them. Tests. We keep putting in front of them, yeah, this is good, but here's the other shoe about the drop, right? Remember before the road trip, you beat Dallas, you're, you're, you're feeling good. Yeah, but they're going to head out east. They're going to go play some some great Eastern Conference teams. They'll be lucky to get one win. Like, that's what we were saying you know, a week ago. And they're bad on the road. It's a lot of travel. There's a back-to-back. And the Thunder went 3-1 and one on that road trip. They swept the back-to-back going from Philly to Chicago. They beat three of the four top teams in the Eastern Conference. Check another box off the list. We've been saying all year, how can they won't know big? These injuries are going to catch up to them. So far, it hasn't. I've been saying the last three years, you know, young teams do not close out games very well. Traditionally in the NBA, can they close out games? And yet, 
In all of these wins on this four-game winning streak, they have handled another counterpunch, even in this game where the Pacers never led and the Pacers hardly looked competent for most of it. In the second quarter, the Pacers dwindled your 17-point lead down to three. Like They were right there back within the striking distance. Then the Thunder balloon it back up and, and eventually by almost 30 points and win the game by 20. And in this game specifically, you can say, well, how was this a test? It's the Pacers who are playing well this year, better than expected, as we talked about with our uh, crossover with Tony East, but they don't have Therese Halliburton. Because once again, talking with me, Royce Young, Andrew Schleck, like all of us agreed, this is a this is a trap game for the Thunder. Like this is a game where they might be feeling themselves after a, a ton of nice East Coast wins. They're back in town after a couple of days off. This could be a trap game. It wasn't. They handled the Pacers. They got out to a 17-1 start. They didn't have any rust. They didn't have any any confidence issues or or you know, you know get up energy issues. They were fantastic to start the game. Fantastic in the third. Fantastic in the fourth. They had that sloppy lullaby in the second. But basketball is a game of runs. Those runs are going to happen. And as we present to them another okay, but this is how the shoe can drop. Trap game with the Pacers. The shoe still has not dropped. Even I said this on the pod, on the podcast yesterday and the day before. Like this game was pretty important for the Thunder because they're going to head out west for a pivotal road stretch, and we're doing it again. We're putting another another test in front of them. Specifically, this game, you know, the, the stretch to end the month, but really up until the All Star break, we're going to be putting out tests in front of them. So let's just break it down to this week that's coming up for them. You're going to play at the Kings Friday. You're going to play at the Nuggets Sunday. Kings are playing really good basketball this year. It's always tough to play in Denver. And Denver's, of course, playing really well this year. And then you return home and play the Hawks, the Cavs, and the Warriors. That is how you're going to close out this five-game stretch to end the month of January. Realistically, you could go 0-5. However, the Thunder have given us a track record and, and kind of data points that point to, hey, they're going to steal a couple of these games that they're supposedly, you know, that they're not supposed to win on paper, obviously. It's just a matter of how many that they can steal you know, when they're not going to be favored by Vegas. And probably any of these games just depends on the injury report, though. Like, we don't want to get too far out in the distant future because, you know, for the, one of these games, somebody might rest that's so important to where the Thunder are favored. But just on paper, fully healthy squads, they're probably not favored for any of these games. They might be favored against the Hawks, you know, you know since it's at home and on a Wednesday night. But still, the Hawks are playing well. Got a big win against Dallas today uh, in Dallas. Regardless of all of that, this stretch will tell us a lot about the Thunder. And I think that we should all agree that this stretch, even if it's the worst case scenario, if you're saying right now, today, if, you, if you're on Twitter right now today celebrating the Thunder and the play and taking screenshots of the standings, all of that good stuff, if you're doing that, even you, if the Thunder go 0-5, you cannot jump ship from the play-in conversation. Because they'll follow that stretch up with... The Rockets twice. And yes, the Thunder have struggled with bad teams this year, and specifically the Rockets for some reason over the last couple of years. Uh, but still, playing teams beat the Rockets twice. So hopefully the Thunder beat the Rockets twice. You go to Golden State, which is going to be a tough game, obviously. But then you go to LA to play Lakers, and the Lakers are a team you're going to have to beat to make the play-in. So if you believe that this team's a play-in team today, even after an 0-5 stretch, you shouldn't give up hope because it's all still in front of them. You play the Rockets twice, 
You play the Lakers in Portland, two play-in caliber teams that you're going to have to get past anyway to make the play-in. Then you play the Pelicans, which is going to be a tough game, and then you play the Rockets again at home. So you play the Rockets three times before the All-Star break to gain back some of those games that you might lose over this next five-day stretch. And then you play teams ahead of you in the standings to go catch them, and, and you'll make up a whole game on them whenever you play the Lakers in L.A. and play Portland in Portland. And then you should have two tough games against the Warriors and the Pelicans, which are going to be coin flips. And we've seen how well the Thunder can go and surprise you. They beat the Celtics handedly whenever the Thunder didn't even have SGA. Like They've seen that they can surprise you in some of these games. So it's all still in front of them. But I think that at the All-Star break, they will have officially declared themselves where there's really no more waiting on the other shoe to drop. It's just simply watching basketball again. But I do want to see how this five-game stretch pans out. And if it goes to the best-case scenario where like they're above 500 after this five-game stretch, in this five-game stretch, you know, three and two, then that is a declaration right there in itself. But even if it goes 0-5, it is a, it is a, a talking point that we should that we should cling to, but it isn't a jump-off-the-ship sort of moment. This will be very interesting. But so far, the Thunder have answered every single test and passed every single test that, that, that the fan base, the media has put in front of them. Can they continue to do that is the big question. And it starts on Friday night in Sacramento. So get the coffee ready because it's going to be a long night Friday, but we're going to have you covered on the post-game pod after that game is over. We are Locked on Thunder five days a week and after every single game. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And coming up, we're going to talk about Josh Giddey's continuing his hot streak, Lou Dort's awesome game, Kenny Hustle just doing it all, playing the best basketball of his career, SGA getting some much-needed rest in this one, Isaiah Joe with an elite performance from Beyond the Arc, and the Thunder getting another impressive win. But first, I want to say right now, about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off of your next order. Folks, you can also find Built Bar, which is a protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate on the outside, which is great pre-workout or post-workout as a meal replacement, as a snack. It's so versatile, like this Thunder roster, that you want to get your hands on it. You can also find it now at your local Sam's Club, at your local Walmart, in the pharmacy section, or use our code to order online and get 15% off at built.com. And you're going to want to go check them out because we mentioned how great they are tasting-wise, but they're also great tasting with you know 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And these are the many flavors that you can check out at Built Bar. They have so many great ones like coconut marshmallow, like brownie batter puff, like churro flavors. They have cookies and cream, cookie dough, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, raspberry, cherry barcia, coconut. Like they have everything for you from a sweet tooth to white chocolate granola peppermint, which is just a wonderful treat during this cold winter season that you can get your hands on. It is fantastic. You should go check it out today. Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. 
So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Josh Giddy continues his hot streak, which is over 40 games at this point. I mean, I'm sorry, which is over 20 games at this point, 21 to be exact. Uh, 29 minutes in this one, fouled out in the fourth quarter, which is weird, like that he just racked up all these fouls out of nowhere, but he did get a standing ovation whenever he fouled out, which is great from the fans. In this game, uh, he was phenomenal for the Thunder, and... I think that what you're seeing from Josh Giddy is a pretty sizable leap from him uh, because he's able to score the ball more and he's able to uh, get to the rim with more aggression. It's resulting in more points generated for himself and for everybody involved. Uh, in this game, he goes for 16 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds, a steal, and a block. He shot 66% from the floor. 0 for 2 from 3. Now, the only thing bad that you would take away from just simply box score watching would be his turnovers. However, they're all explainable. He had five turnovers. So two of them were charges, which, you know, I think that whenever we look at Josh Giddey's box score and whenever we do kind of not revisionist history, but just forgetful history, we're like, we're going to surf basketball reference, right? And we're going to, we're going to go in there and analyze what can he get better at? And we're going to see five turnovers for this game, for example, and we're going to think, okay, well, his style of play is passing. His style of play is playmaking. He's got to cut down these turnovers as a playmaker. Well, some of them were non-playmaking turnovers, like the two charges. That's non-playmaking turnovers. It's not as always through a, a terrible bad pass, like an awful pass. One play was like a very physical trap where he got trapped at the nail and pushed to the ground, and there was no foul call, and the ball was jarred loose, and he lost the ball. Sometimes that's going to be called a foul, and that's not going to be charged as a turnover. And therefore, this looks incredibly different if, let's say, that you have those three turnovers taken away. Now you're done just two left, right? He made two bad passing decisions. One was a bad uh, pass trying to force it in there to a cutting tray man. And then one was a lob pass, which he thought Baisley was going to go up and catch the lob. Baisley was not really expecting a lob to be thrown there. Uh, it was kind of a congested area, so I'm going to put more of the blame on Giddy in the sense of, like, it was really Giddy trying to create something out of nothing. And if Baisley, who is an incredible athlete, could have realized in time and made the leap up and, and went through traffic to get a lob pass, then it would then it would have worked out. But I'll put that one on Giddy as well. So that's two turnovers that are like truly on him. Uh, and then he had the two charges and the one physical play, which could have gone the way of the foul call, which would have negated it. So like they the, the turnovers do need context because it wasn't as though like you look at it the next day in the, in the newspaper and say well, he just made five terrible passes. So, like, he just dribbled off his foot five times. Like, they were a little different than that. Uh, but still, the turnovers numbers do need to come down in general. But around three is a high-usage playmaker who's going to be your lead ball handler and lead facilitator for the second and fourth quarter majority. It's not that bad uh, in the grand scheme of things. And this game specifically looks worse than it actually was. He had a great play where he grabbed an offensive rebound and was really patient, dribbling it out past, a little bit past the low block and then fired it in there 100 miles per hour at SGA. He was cutting down the lane for a massive dunk, had a nice whip pass to JRE to set up a corner. I mean, I'm sorry, had a nice whip pass to Jay Will for a nice corner three. On that corner three, Jay Will just turns to the crowd and starts yelling and hyping them up, and it was really fun to watch. He had that floater working. He was dominant in the third quarter, which helped the Thunder gain more cushion. Uh, he had six points in the third quarter, a steal, five assists, three rebounds, and three for three shooting. And one note, note that will not show up in the box score because it was not a true block. He had a great rim contest 
on Ben Matherin, where Ben Matherin kind of got him under the rim a little bit, but it, but you know Josh D used his size, used his length, and used his you know his his frame to contest it and alter the shot and force the miss. And that's something that Mark talked about during this media session today, where where he said that the biggest thing for Giddy over this last span was that he's playing like he's six eight, which he claims he's six nine, but he's playing like he's six eight now. He's using his body on both ends of the floor and getting lost in the defense, and that's translating to his good offensive stretch. You could see it very well in this game, uh, what Mark was discussing, what Mark was talking about. I thought Lou Dort was really good, like really, really good. Uh, Mark mentioned pregame also that Lou Dort was doing a much better job of gnashing, and so obviously a reference to Steve Nash where you drive baseline but don't shoot, or you drive to the rim and don't shoot, you make a pass out, you keep the offense in rhythm, and he had a few good dump-offs at the rim. Like There was a stretch in the second quarter where – that's basically all the Thunder were running was just, hey, Lou Dort, you drive to the rim. Wiggins, you cut behind him on the opposite side. Once you get to the rim, Dort, dump it off to Wiggins and, and just see if he can finish it. Like, that was pretty much their offense for, like, five straight possessions, it felt like. Also, what cannot be understated enough, or you know, I should say what cannot be understated, is Lou Dort's defensive profile. It's become normal to us. It's become just happenstance, and we don't even really mention it that much anymore, including myself. I do a bad job of it. In this game specifically, you saw how large his defensive profile is. He's guarding Chris Duarte. He's guarding Miles Turner. He's guarding Ben Matherin. He's guarding Buddy Heald. He's guarding Aaron Neesmith. He's guarding uh, Andrew Nimhard. Like, he's switching all over the place. He's guarding every single position. He's sitting down on defense and just, you know, playing his role. And that allows everyone else to work around him and to make everyone else's job easier. And also, when you're playing this small, one of the, one of the only advantages you get it's not, you know, you're not going to have a rim protector. You're not going to have rebounds, whatever. But the, one of the only, you know, protections that you get and kind of advantages that you get is you can switch one through five and just there's just there's no difference hardly in switching because everyone's relatively the same height or the same competitiveness against true bigs and they he played a zone in this one as well and so Lou Dort is kind of able to play that free safety role where he where he's just lurking around and filling in the gaps as they need to in the, in the zone I thought that that was a brilliant move by Mark and, and and they did it heavily in the third quarter which gave them their biggest lead of the of the night and allowed them to. Um, kind of coast in the fourth and sit and sit a she the whole fourth quarter and not play him at all uh, to give him some rest. And that was largely because of Lou Dort and the way that he played in the zone. Even in the first half, Lou Dort was incredible. By halftime, Lou Dort had a couple of dunks. He had three three-pointers. He had a steal and an offensive foul drawn. That's a great day in the office for Lou Dort, but it wasn't done at that point because he gets to block his best friend in Ben Matherin. Uh, he gets some really nice cuts in this game and really active as a cutter in this game and finishes with 22 points, finishes with 11 rebounds, which was a career high, one assist, one steal, one block, three for five from three, 57% from the floor. Uh, he spoke spoke glowingly about Ben Matherin. You should go find his post-game uh, interview. Uh, he was It was awesome to hear kind of the personal connection that they have and and kind of their, more their, about their background as, as people and as where they grew up was from. And one story that he told was that they work out every summer. And so the summer leading into Ben Matherin's sophomore year at Arizona, he, Lou Dort said Ben Matherin was giving me buckets before he headed back to Arizona for his year two. And I, I told him, if you go back to Arizona in year two and you play like this, this is what's, you know, you're going to be a lottery pick. You're going to be somebody, you're, you know, you're going to have a true ascent here. And he, obviously Ben Matherin did play like that. But like, it's funny to hear that as a freshman, as a, as a summertime freshman going into his sophomore year in college, Ben Matherin was just giving Lou Dort buckets in the summer. Uh, and that proves, you know, just how much of a great score that Ben Matherin is. Uh, and, and Ben Matherin said before the game to Daniel Bell that he that, that Ben Matherin wins a lot of the time when they play one-on-one. 
And Lou Dort didn't shy away to that to his credit. Lou Dort said that, yeah, he, he gets him a few games uh, whenever they play one-on-one. But it was just awesome to kind of see that more personal side of these players, um, especially whenever they have a cool relationship like that uh, between Matherin and Lou Dort. I want to talk about Kendrick Williams having a career game and continuing uh, the best basketball of his career uh, to this point in the season. SGA getting some much-needed rest, and Isaiah Joe elevating this team with this three-point shooting, plus how the Thunder pulled off this win, all coming up. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs from pro and college football, pro and college basketball. You've got baseball heating up soon with the world uh, with the World Baseball Classic. You've got, of course, basketball in full heat of both leagues, amateur and professional, uh, and you have the normalcy of like the spread, like the NFL playoff spreads that the Chiefs are minus nine. But I kind of like the more interesting or kind of off the wall stuff. I like to look at future bets. And one that I've been harping on recently has been how will LeBron James break the all time NBA points record? Will it be a two point shot, a free throw, or a three point shot? I just think that that's so wild to spend your money on that. But if it hits, like, like how exhilarating would that be? Like, Obviously, the game's going to get flexed to national television no matter what day it's on, whenever he's like X amount of points away from the all-time points record, just like they did with the Aaron Judge 60 you know, home run chase. So it's going to get flexed. You're going to be able to watch it even if you don't have league pass. How exhilarating will it be if you, you've placed this bet? It's going to be a two-pointer. And then you see him start to climb and, and only need, say, a two-point shot. And then every time he takes a three, you're holding your breath. And then every time he drives, uh, you're about to pass out. And then if he gets fouled, you're like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen now? You pick free throw, uh, that would even be the, the wildest scenario. But somehow three-point shot is the long shot here at plus 475. So that's the kind of stuff that you can do at BetOnline. Check it out today, BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back at Lockdown Thunder. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Thunder. For your next podcast, check out Game to Game, which is going to give you a recap of every single game around the association the night before. But for right now, let's talk about Kenny Hassel. He's doing it all. He has his second career double-double, a career-high 10 assists, 12 points, 5 rebounds, a steal, 2 blocks, Grabbed so many loose balls, went two for four from three, 62% from the floor, and he had the perfect sequence to encapsulate Kenny Hustle. So, first possession down, SGA dumps it into him at the nail, hits a mid-range jumper. Next possession down, Kenny Hustle gets a nice look at a three, misses it, but follows his shot, gets his own long miss, and finishes at the rim. He's more than just a hustle player. He has a career-high shooting at the rim, a career-high shooting in the mid-range, a career-high shooting from three. Kenny Hustle has been like legitimately good offensively for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He is is shooting 68% at the rim, which is in the 57th percentile for his position. He is shooting 51% in the mid-range, which is in the 94th percentile for his position. He is shooting 44% from three, which is in the 97th percentile for his position, according to Cleaning the Glass. All of those are career highs for Kenny Hustle. 
so far in his NBA career, which is relatively young, given his given his age, is relatively a young career for him, especially considering that the games played in uh, was not like in, uh, an incredible workload in New Orleans. But nonetheless, like Kenny Hustle was playing the best ball of his career, and you can ask that to scouts and agents and people within the Thunder, whatever the case is. Like he is truly playing the best he's ever played, and it's a lot of hard work that's gone into it. And I think that the perception should still be there that he's a great defender and a great hustle player, but he's also adding a ton of offensive force that he can play with. And it's helping the Thunder, uh, especially get by in this time period, but especially all season long, uh, giving them another option uh, to, to play with SGA did not play in the fourth quarter, much needed rest, even though he still played 30 minutes in this game total, but did not play in the fourth quarter and was able to kind of coast out of course down the last quarter. And as a guy who's a high usage rate, that's awesome. Took over in the third quarter, though. 11 points in the third quarter. 10 points in the first quarter, which means he scored two points in every other quarter combined because he did not play in the fourth. So he only, played, he only got two points in the, in the second. Uh, but nonetheless, he finishes with 23 points total, six assists, three steals, three rebounds, two turnovers. He went one for four from three, but he did take a, a catch-and-shoot transition three, which I really like that idea. Like, like the Thunder want to run. They want to get out, pace, and space. They want to they go, 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 go. Sometimes, you know, whenever somebody else is initiating the fast break and then SGA just stops, that can really facilitate some catch-and-shoot looks for SGA, which is an area that he thrives in, but it's just hard to get those looks from three point from the three-point line in the half-court offense. So maybe something to watch for moving forward. Uh, 41% from the floor, and he showed off another part of his game that is going to be so lethal moving forward. There were two different instances where he drove to the rim, and they happened in pretty short order. He drove to the rim, dumps it off to J-Will. And the first time as he was attacking the rim off the dribble and then dumped it off to J-Will, J-Will, like, I don't know if he wasn't ready for it or if it was a bad, like, I couldn't really tell from that angle. I'll have to rewatch it again like I do always in the afternoon and see for sure. But dumped off to J-Will. J-Will wasn't ready for it or just couldn't corral it, whatever the case was. Didn't work. Next possession or two later, SGA drives it to the rim hard and then dumps it off to J-Will. And J-Will is on the low block, ready for that bunny floater. And it works to perfection. And so as you add that to his repertoire, again, I ask, how do you defend him? Because he can score at the mid-range at will. He can score at the rim at will. He can dump it off whenever he gets a full head of steam going to the rim to somebody uh, you know, next to him as you go and fully converge on him and fully collapse on him, which happened in a couple, a couple of games ago where he caught the ball uh, on the low block and he and SGA caught the ball on the low block and was wide open. And then you saw uh, one of the lethal shot blockers they played uh, a couple of games ago. I can't remember the exact game it was. Over pursuit of him you know, kind of jump over him and kind of jump out of the play. And all she did was kind of throw off a little shovel pass to Lou Dort cutting down the lane and dunking. So he's shown this before, but especially now whenever he's initiating the drive to have that dump off, how do you stop him? And then now he's got some guys that can shoot like Isaiah Joe to kick the ball out to on these drives. It's just going to be difficult as this roster continues to get flushed out. Even if SGA just maintains this level of play, which I don't think he will in the sense of, I think SGA will continue to get better. I think that he's gotten better every single summer. I don't think he's done developing yet. But even if he were to just maintain this level of play, he gets better just by the Thunder getting better, just by the Thunder adding more shooting threats around him, just by the Thunder adding more lob threats around him, just by the Thunder adding more, he gets better. Much less the individual work that he puts in. This is such a great scenario for SGA and for the Thunder. It's a really nice partnership in all of this. And he's helping this team play with a ton of confidence. He had a line at the at the presser today after the game where he said, 
whenever I'm on the floor, I want people to, to my teammates to think that they're as good as me. And then he said, maybe not that far, but think you're the best player on the court. And so that confidence is key for the center team, and it helped them get to where they wanted to be in this game. But in the first quarter alone, you saw the Pacers frantically trying to stop SGA. They threw double teams at him. He was getting tagged three or four times per drive, or they're swiping at him at the elbow, swiping at him at the low block, having their defender and a, and a crashing defender go and try to wall up at the rim. I just, it wasn't working. Like Nothing would work against SGA. He's so awesome. Uh, and one moment that stood out as a way to point out an individual play where with what we're talking about here about SGA's locked-in defense was he had a play in this game where he was tracking a backdoor cut the whole way, tipped it to himself, got, got the steal, got the team out and running, hit ahead to J-Dub, and J-Dub finished the job. Like, your star player being so locked in defensively that he does not get beat on the backdoor, in fact, he tracks it down and gets a steal on a backdoor cut, is a little bit of an anomaly in the grand scheme of the NBA. And so it's just another job of, of SGA to continue to stay locked in on both ends, despite his very, very, very high offensive usage rate. Isaiah Joe was excellent. Elite shooting as always. You know, this time he had seven made threes, really caught fire in the fourth quarter as well. Made 58% from downtown, 23 points, four rebounds, an assist, two steals. Had six points in the second, which were very crucial because the second was whenever the team got sloppy a little bit and needed to kind of get a surge offensively after losing it a bit after a strong first quarter. Two steals a block. I asked him if he wanted to play in the three-point contest, and he said most definitely. And then I asked him, well, would you go in there if you were invited? Would you go in there and be like Larry Bird where you're, where you're walking in the locker room saying, all right, who, who's going to come runner-up tonight? And he said, well, I wouldn't go there and do anything else but win. So hopefully we see Isaiah Joe in the three-point contest. Let's start that petition to get him there, and let's see if he actually can make it there, and he'll have a great showing at it. But he was doing everything tonight, catch-and-shoot threes, mobile threes, just incredible also racked up his 50th career steal, so credit to him for that as well. But the Thunder came out on fire, 17-1 run to start this game. They were winning every 50-50 ball, just outworking the Pacers in the first quarter, just taking the ball away from them in the first quarter, which really set a tone for the rest of this contest. By the end of the first quarter, they were up 16 points, but they had a sloppy second quarter. It was turnovers, it was shot clock violations, it was a 12-2 Pacers run. The Pacers cut the lead down to three eventually, but the Thunder closed out strong in the second as Lou Dort had 10 points in the second quarter, and Isaiah Joe had those crucial six points. And so after the Pacers cut the lead down to three points in the second quarter, the Thunder still finished up 14 at halftime. And then they were plus 13 in the third quarter alone with a 22-7 run, uh, which is mainly sparked by their transition, playing zone defense, which we talked about before. And by the end of the third quarter, the Thunder already had 100 points. This was the sixth time this year that the Thunder have scored 100 or more points by the end of the, thir- uh, by the end of the third quarter, which shows how good this offense is, even without uh, most of their parts offensively. Franchise-high 41 assists in this game. They got contributions in a big way from multiple players like SGA, Giddy, Dort, J-Dub, J-Will, Isaiah Joe, Kenny Hustle, all played really well uh, for the Thunder. The Thunder once led by 29 points. They won the game actually by 20 uh, the Pacers never held the lead and never tied this game back up after 0-0. OKC was outboarded by six rebounds, but they forced 23 turnovers. However, the Thunder had an uncharacteristic 17 turnovers. OKC was plus six in the paint with 56 points in the paint. They lost second chance points by one. The Pacers won fast break points 13-6, to but OKC dominates in shooting percentages. They shot 50-42-76. Pacers shot 41-36-66. Four-game winning streak for OKC, and another tough test to come. The Thunder cash in at minus four in this one, and the money and the MVP player of the game. Shout out to uh, 
those that know. The, the MVP player of the game, Kenny Hustle. Let me give it to him. Yeah, you could go to Giddy. You could go, really, you could go almost anyone in this roster for this game. You could go Dort, especially. Like, I, I really thought about doing Dort, but let's do Kenny Hustle playing the best ball of his career and gets a double-double in this game for the second time in his career, first time this season. So credit to Kenny Hustle. Fun show tomorrow. It's going to be your mailbag questions. So drop below in the YouTube comments your questions for tomorrow's show and also on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles and on the email address, LOThunderPod, if you want to. But until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 